1: <laughs> that was
0: amazing just overwhelmed with my talent I know
1: I'm so well I've I've not I've never seen anything or heard anything that beautiful in my I know, life right uh, <laughs> hey you ready to talk about Star Trek
0: I really am I'm so Yay. ready Ooh. hey guys welcome to into the wormhole with Florissa and Lauren I am Lauren Lowen, and as always, here is my captain. I am Larissa Maestro. Hi. Yay! <laughs> ah, so that wonderful little um, jingle that you guys got is because we are starting kind of a new, a new—is it called a series? What do we call it?
1: I guess it's a se- like we're going to do a bunch of episodes about yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> a new format. Sure, it's a series where we just kind of casually uh, talk about uh, villains, villains in Star Trek, and so. Uh, We chose Ducat from Deep Space Nine as our first villain to feature. And Larissa, I don't know about you, I'm really excited because I feel like we haven't had a chance just to sit down and have a more maybe organic discussion about something.
1: Yeah, and especially about like a single character. Yeah. So many of our episodes were like, let's choose two episodes and try to recap and talk about them both. Or like, let's talk about half of an entire season. Let's talk about all (laughs) the doctors.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: We tend to be quite ambitious but this time we've got a whole character and we can just talk about this character and how we feel about this character and it's a good one. I I felt like this was a great jumping off point because there's so much material and everyone has feelings about this character. <laughs> like this is not this isn't just like a whatever. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know this is like oh he's around. He does things. He, yeah. has, a, he has a lot and since of this problems. Is our, since
0: this is our first villains um, episode, I kind of wanted to ask you, because it was something I was thinking about when we were thinking of like the, the list for us to go to. For you, I'm curious what makes a Star Trek antagonist a true villain versus just sort of the the bad guy of the week or... Um, more of an obstacle because Star Trek, especially early Star Trek, of that's more Roddenberry, you know, usually focuses on the obstacles being abstract. We we always see, sure, there's like a bad alien or something like that once in a while. But usually it's it's a diplomatic or it's a misunderstanding or, you know, like yeah. Kirk's trying to explain humanity and humanity's values to some sort of uh, alien entity that doesn't really get it. Um and then they come to an understanding. Yeah, or it's just a creature. Yeah. So I'm curious for you when you were thinking about what makes uh someone worthy of the villain
1: title in Star Trek. Like, what does that entail for mm. you? Yeah, like like what's the difference between a Gorn and Khan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for me, it's first of all that that character, um, that that character leaves a lasting impression and that usually they're recurring in some way that uh this character believes that they are morally right yes and they're coming from a place where they believe that they are doing the right thing i agree and that their goals tend to be sort of in opposition to the goals of the federation in some way and that they're willing to sort of Go a little bit beyond maybe what the federation would be able to, to or uh would be willing to do, um as far as like risking the lives of civilians, as far as um damaging the environment that they're in, things like that. That they they are they tend to be more reckless as far as those things are concerned, mm-hmm. and that they are usually delusional in some way. <laughs> that's very true like usually usually they're they're uh sort of like living in their own world yes or or that their their worldview is so different that it makes them seem like they're living in their own world because they can't consider the Mm -hmm. the perspectives of others yeah so like the borg fit into that that description perfectly because they they check all those boxes they're like perfection better than all of you guys um we don't we literally don't care about any of you oh i was thinking about this because like on the villains
0: list i definitely put the borg queen but yeah. i didn't know if i could put a whole borg right like a whole yeah like i think we're right. definitely dealing with individual characters with this series yes yes yeah, yes because for me the borg and what they represent obviously is a huge you know, adversary, but it's more of the, the, the theme of what they represent individual versus an individual. Yeah. We, we yeah. kind of have to set parameters somewhere, you know, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get more into that when we talk about her,
1: but I agree. Re- yeah, re- like re- we're recurring. not going to talk about the Romulans, you know, <laughs> like we're not like, like villains, the Romulans that's, that's also getting into some dangerous territory with labeling an entire exactly. species yeah. as a villain. Um, and that's, a that's, I mean, generally in Star Trek, that is actually a, a legit problem um, with early, early depictions of Klingons, with early depictions of Romulans, mm-hmm. labeling an entire species as a villain. Yeah. Um, especially, again, when they so, were
0: supposed to represent more of an abstraction or a theme, which was the obstacle, not so much an individual like with Ducat or yes. Kai Wynn is another great example, in my opinion. We'll be talking oh, her.
1: Yeah. We're going to talk about Kai Nguyen. Yeah
0: so um yeah because i was thinking about that too uh i agree i think when it comes i'm only talking about the tv show because with the exception of the first movie which had a more kind of traditional star trek tos type uh you know uh context to it a uh, concept all the other ones yeah. definitely had like a villain um and Khan had yeah. a tos episode so he's reoccurring
1: so he we get to count con counts Khan has to count. (laughs) And and the movies
0: after Khan, like, there's always a bad guy. So, like, yes, we might end up talking about Shinzon or something, even though he's a one and done. But that's because they're movies, and I think they realized they needed to do something different in the movies. But in this case, when it comes to the TV show, I agree. The reoccurring threat of that character, for me, um, is important as far as the villain label. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Also, they're intelligent. That's uh, that's another... um, Characteristic that I think all of these villains have,
0: yeah, yeah, because they can reason what they're doing, yeah, and that's <laughs> kind
1: of what makes them even
0: scarier is the fact that they are intelligent and they can still mm-hmm. ration the sometimes the evil things they do, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. there's always there's always a reason, so uh Ducat, I yeah. mean in particular, I think like right off the bat, one of the things that makes Ducat such a complete villain for me is that he feels so close to just like a normal ass white supremacist colonizer who like really thinks that he is superior and thinks that what he's offering in conquering or colonizing is that he is helping them. He's helping the people that he's colonizing. He's helping the people that he's conquering. And he does not understand why they don't see it that way. And that is the thing that drives him pretty much the whole. He's like, I am here to help you. I don't understand. Like, you made me do it is his whole thing. He's always like, if you hadn't resisted, then Thousands and thousands of Bajorans wouldn't die. died. It's your fault,
0: or in his in his mind, he says there would have been so many more deaths if I wasn't here. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, and a lot he's of people. Like, know I the, helped a big influence with the Cardassians and Dukat was that it was inspired by, you know, when the the Nazi regime ended, and the creators have come out and said Dukat is a Nazi. <laughs> Dukat is, you yeah. know, Some people say he's space Hitler. Um, whether you want to say that's a direct parallel or not. But but yeah, like he is... He's a little
1: bit more charming than Hitler. <laughs> Hitler wasn't known for being like charming, I don't think. I think he's a little more charming than Hitler, right? Well, that's the...
0: I mean, not to get into like a, a side rant, but when you see recordings of him getting speeches, people who get to power and are able to, to manipulate people do have a certain yeah. sort of charisma to them charisma yeah Yeah. i would say probably uh hitler wasn't as charming as Descartes. but as far as these people who stir up these sort of horrible things in history there is sort of a presence to them yeah i i was thinking Mm -hmm. about for each villain like what is really the core kind of mission statement of each of them and for Descartes, i realized that he is a uh like a crazy Insecure attention whore who just wants to be loved. I mean, really, that's his motivation—is this this huge desire to be loved, yeah. slashed, admired, and he'll take that any and way worship. he can get. Whether yes. it's people, yes, s- submitting to him, whether it's you know just women sleeping with him, um, whether it's through power and oppression or true admiration. Like we'll definitely talk about how with cisco uh, and kira he definitely wanted their approval like he desperately oh, wanted oh my god
1: it. those aspects of the storytelling are are parts of it that make ducat's character so interesting and i think there there are a lot of villains that are written this way where they sort of have an obsession with their um adversary and not only an obsession with them, but like a lot of respect for them somehow while yes. still feeling superior to them. And that is a really like fucked up place to exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so fascinating to watch. Because there are people like, again, Dukat's based on Nazis. <laughs> this is like a legit thing that happened during the Holocaust. Like Nazi soldiers being like, wow, you're so like nice and and sweet and beautiful for a Jew. Like that's like legit shit that happened. That's legit shit shit that happened to my ancestors in the Philippines, mm-hmm. you know? Like this is this is stuff that happens that still happens uh to black people all over the world. So like seeing seeing that and like exploring it without like pointing exactly to the issue is that which is that Ducat is basically a white supremacist, is, like, f- fascinating. And I think it's really interesting how that was worked into the story. Like, I'm kind of totally for it. This is one of the reasons why DS9 is so, like... I feel like DS9 is so much deeper <laughs> in a lot of ways because these things are written into, like, the entire story of DS9. Yeah, and
0: they, and they don't, they don't always know what's going to happen from season to season. Like, yeah. in the beginning, they didn't know. They actually... Dukat's role was made a lot bigger because he became such a popular character, you know, and they were like, let's bring him back.
1: Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I decided to put on Emissary last night. And first of all, the first episode of DS9 is kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, the setup is great. Like, Dukat shows up and you're like, oh, shit, is he, he's going <laughs> to be my favorite. <laughs> He's like, oh, I used to live here. I used to be in charge. You don't mind if I just walk around on the promenade, do you? And I'm like, oh, shit. I forgot that was his first appearance on the show. Yeah. Where he just shows up to stroll around after they've abandoned the station. Like, he, like his ego immediately is laid bare. He's like, I cannot stand that this is not my station anymore, so I'm going to just set foot on it so i can intimidate people
0: he basically is like a dog and he's like i'm gonna pee on this yes in front of you
1: <laughs>
0: this is yes! still mine keep it yeah. warm for me but
1: he's just rubbing his pheromones all over the station <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, let's
0: first of all i didn't realize this but somebody else was cast as Dakot. It was kind of like a Janeway situation where they actually filmed another actor in that role. I did not they, know they, this. Yeah, and they said, "Uh oh, this isn't working. We've miscast." And they were like, "Get, get Mark in here." Um, and I wanted to ask you this:
1: Was it on, because the,
0: the other actor's neck wasn't long enough <laughs> to uh, be <laughs> it was called the neck? Yeah, that, no. They said that the other actor, which they actually don't in the notes I read, they don't say who that actor was, um, but. That he just didn't have the, the presence needed for Ducat. That was mm. what they actually said, is he lacked that sort of presence. And, and uh, I wanted to ask you in this episode, how do you say that? I've never heard actually the last name of the actor pronounced. Mark Alamo? I think it's Alamo. Do we need to double check this? <laughs> so we're not like just constantly saying this. I know. Uh but, Alamo. Alamo, Alamo, Mark Alamo. Uh, okay, okay. Raise your hand if you want to say Mark Alamo sometimes yes, because you did yes. it too fast.
1: Mark, um, but A-lay-mo. Mark Alamo
0: is so good in this role. Oh and, God, he's incredible. And I think it, it was uh, just kind of like Eric and Andrew Robinson. It was a symbiotic relationship where the writers gave. Mark Alemo something good to work with and then he gave them stuff back to work with and then they just kind of bounced off of each other throughout the whole you know seven seasons of Deep Space Nine Mm -hmm. but like you said when Dakar enters the station he just has that impact and oh yeah yeah like just the 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 face and his shoulders he's just got like the he's got like a very traditional broad shouldered body like that triangle build and it's so funny because looking back there's a lot of I would say um older seniors AARP uh Cardassians <laughs> that feel more like they just spend all their day behind a desk and they're a yeah. little uh, they got a little extra weight under yeah. just kinda like burp, burp, um but You mean
1: like Paul Dooley? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of in Tweed. Oh. But um but he just he's one of those for me, like he is the ultimate Cardassian.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean yeah. he's also like one of the first Cardassians that we ever see on TNG. He's Gulmaset.
0: Yes, um, And he's and they're still figuring out what the Cardassians look like. Like, doesn't he have facial hair? Like these little catfish whiskers yeah, or something? It's
1: weird. It's weird. Yeah, they're they're they don't quite have it yet. They haven't quite yeah. figured it out. But he is, I mean like, it's like his bone structure is meant for the design of the Cardassian physique Mm -hmm. it's kind of bonkers like I don't know very much about like like a casting process and like how you go about like finding somebody for certain things but like there are certain actors that it's like your body is part of why you were cast for this part like Doug Jones on Discovery Mm, okay yeah where it's like the way you look and the way that that your body is shaped is part of the reason why you're in this part. And it makes a big difference. And I feel that way about Marco Lemo because yeah. Dude's got a fucking neck on him. His face, like his eyes, you know, yes. like, holy he's got shit. That,
0: his brow is like, yeah. very arched. Like when you just see him out of makeup, he's been on a, a ton of stuff, by the way, like yeah. mostly TV. But if you look at pictures of him, especially in the eighties and, and stuff and uh, he was in like everything from a team to Start Skiing hutch and he's even got like a bit part in total recall Go oh my god him. but he's his face is just I mean you look at him you're like that is Ducat. like his face comes through the makeup because yeah. all they had to do was just to follow his bone structure and it is yeah. so so st- it's he has such a strong face and strong angles um, yes yeah so his face and his body uh, yeah, it all embodies that sort of like Cardassian quality.
1: Yeah, he's so lean and he has those wide shoulders and just like the way that he like stands. It looks like he's looking down at everyone, you know, because he's also very tall. It's it's like nobody else could have been in this part.
0: Yeah, I like how the notes just say, get Mark, get, get,
1: get Mark just get Mark because he'd also he'd been not only had he been a Cardassian before but he'd been a guest star on a lot of Star Trek stuff before Mm -hmm. that so like they knew about him I mean it's like it's it's almost like being like why don't we just ask Jeffrey Combs to do it right yeah (laughs) get Jeffrey Combs just get just get somebody who's done it a bunch of times it's like ask Cromwell back he'll do it (laughs) get a mustache on him yeah just just glue something to his face it'll be great um (laughs) So yeah, uh, I wanted to briefly just mention because I want to talk about uh, Ducat and Kira. Um, yeah. I want to mention that there is a moment in what we left behind the the DS Nine doc where it seems like Nana Visitor is maybe trying to be diplomatic, but it sounds like she and Marco Lemo did not get along oh really and I don't know I haven't done as much more extensive research on like whether they didn't like each other but there's a moment in the doc where it's like oh wow did you hate him (laughs) what can I ask what she says do you remember can you paraphrase Uh, it? it it's something like they ask they ask her something about him and then she's like oh no not that guy oh and then she's like just kidding and it's like, no, you weren't kidding. You oh. really weren't. You were hmm. like not kid- That's You don't like that guy. It worked for the part, though. It all played yeah. out really nicely.
0: <laughs> I do think what's interesting is, you know, I guess this is a good time to talk about Dukat and Kira because I feel like that is such a component of his Deep Space Nine story is that he's kind of fascinated by Kira and T'Kaa always played it that T'Kaa had this this crush on Kira and sometimes was open to the writers exploring that and mm-hmm. uh Kira Nana visitor was like no <laughs> Kira <laughs> would never ever ever entertain you know getting involved or even friendly with the you know the former leader of the Cardassian occupation yeah. Um, this just would not happen. Yeah. And it's it's so great. They have such great chemistry.
1: Again, maybe part of that chemistry is that like she couldn't stand him and it came through. I I mean, I also want to say I agree with Nana Visitor, she would not. Yeah.
0: Which made it it was an interesting thing because ZL really became an interesting component to to play off of Dakota yeah. and Kira's relationship. Like when Ziel is in there, I feel like Dukat's trying to play house with her. Yes. Because he knows that through Ziel, he can get to Kira. And it's, they've, in a very weird way, because of both of their involvement with Ziel and their concern for her, they've made this weird little unit, you know? Um, They're like (laughs) co-parenting. Yeah. Yeah. But what I love is that the only time that I feel like we see Kira even slip up a little bit with that sort of fierce you know, opposition to Dakar is when it's during the ZL times. I don't think it's son and daughters, but it's around that stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's on the station. The The Federation has had to abandon it and the Cardassians have taken over, but the Bajorans are still there because, you know, they're not part of the Federation yet. And so Kira is there and she's hoping she can at least sort of be an insider t- for the station, for the Federation and, and kind of keep an eye on everything at the very least. Um so uh I don't know if you remember but when Ducat invites Kira to a um party later because Yale got into art school, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And he sends her a dress. So she gets yep. into her quarters, there's a box. She opens it up and as you can imagine Kira's been uh, like a freedom fighter her whole life. She's not really used to having any luxury items, but she pulls out the dress. This is all done without saying words. She she's slowly smiles at it she walks over to the mirror and like holds it up to admire it and then you see her face just go blank and throw it on the ground because she realizes what am I doing what am I doing on the station but also for a moment like Ducat kind of got to her yeah and I love it because at that moment that's when she becomes hell-bent um on no I am I remember what my mission is and I remember how much I hate him and what's going on And that for me is one of those Dukat-Kira dynamics that is seared in my brain after watching Seven Seasons.
1: Yes, 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 totally. I I mean, you know that I have a lot of feelings about Ziel. I mean, we talked about her in the Tragic Hybrids episode. I consider her to be like the most tragic of all the hybrid characters on Star Trek. And I really wish that her arc had ended in a different way. Like I'm I'm very like it's very upsetting to me that she was murdered <laughs> by Tamar. Um, by by your by uh, my favorite alcoholic brooding alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um but it makes sense that using a hybrid character to bring these two adversarial characters into the same space, that that makes sense to me. It makes sense that they they went there. Um especially because we already knew that Dukat liked to share a bed with a Bajoran woman. And this is also like a very normal thing with colonizers and colonized. Because that that is also a, a power move. It's also a control move within that cultural dynamic. And then um, the character of Zial, like there's that one scene... It's a di- I think it's a different episode. The one scene where Zial's like, "Please just come to dinner with my dad." Yes, like, yes. <laughs> like, "Please just can we just hang out because I love you both and it's so fucking hard, but also I'm like, Zial, uh, fuck that guy. That guy fucking sucks. Um, get away from him. Run, run away." But when sh- they're sitting there together and she's like, "Look at my art." And she's just like, "Yay, can we be a family?" It like yes. that's those are the o- those are like the only times I feel like like the the moment with the dress, and then the moment where like Kira is like, "I'm really just here for Zial," and they're both like, "Wow, we both love Zial." <laughs> Those moments where they like fluctuate into like almost being friends. Yeah, you know? yeah, and Kira's trying to be civil. I think what's interesting,
0: like you said, that scene where, you know, she just wants both of them, the three of them, to be together. It's more like the guard is down. Between Kira and Decot, but that's because uh, ZL is there. She's the conductor, basically. Yes, you know. Yes, Uh, the catalyst for that. And then by the time you get to Decot giving Kira the dress, you've taken ZL sort of out, and that's like a direct—that's like a direct hit from Decot. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's not coming through ZL. Yeah, yeah. And that's and she
0: realizes that, and that's why she, you know, kind of freaks out and is like, "What am I doing?"
1: Yeah, Um, yeah,
0: yeah. So it's kind of a, a nice like steps, steps are taken. And you're right. Like we talked about how Ziel, unfortunately, like they said so many changes and so many recastings and three. How old is she? different she's a kid, actors. no she's not. Yeah. Um, that I feel like they kind of um they didn't really let her stand on her own two feet.
1: Yeah. But as
0: I do admit, like as far as how she was used between Kira and Descott, I do yeah. think that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's tons of discussions online about like
1: how old is Yeah Ziel, especially
0: since she's involved with Garrick and what's going on like uh, she's 13 when the ship goes down
1: oh my god uh
0: and then it's six years later i think so she's supposed to be 19 and i kind of feel like that's a good age for dakar to have a a daughter because she can sort of be that still that that innocence you know where where it's like she really just wants to believe that her father's there for her and can't we all just get along yeah but i feel like by the time they aged her up to that final arc of her yeah it 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 almost seems like not believable. I, I I still can't tell if she's supposed to be like 22 or 30, yeah. you know, to some degree yeah. or at younger. That, at but... that
1: point, I'm like, you have PTSD and I feel like you would have identified that by now. And <laughs> I've, I, <Yeah>. feel like, <laughs> I feel like you would have come to this conclusion that you don't stand with, with the Cardassians and the Dominion. Like you, you would you would get you would be able to get that by now. You're like you're at this point. You've spent as much time, as much of your life with Ducat as you have with Kira. So like right? you, you know, like so you know, like you're you've been telling yourself that your your father loves you for a long time, but also he like tried to kill you when he first he met did. you.
0: He was very close to killing you, Zio. And yeah. and that's kind of one of the interesting things about Ducat is when we talk about.
1: A character who
0: still shows glimpses of decency or doing the right thing but then can can still go that far like he didn't kill her because kira and ziel kind of convinced him not to but he was going to kill her like that doesn't change the fact that he had resolved in his mind i have to kill my daughter yeah yeah so even though it shows that like oh he didn't kill her did the right thing let's not forget what
1: just happened like <laughs> he ten was, minutes ago, he was holding that- a phaser, yes, <laughs> up to her, and he was going to liquefy her. <laughs> Basically, I wish that she had been like, "I see what's happening now, and I can't do this anymore. And I love you, but I'm out." And and then he's like, "But come with me, you're my daughter." And she's like, "Nah, goodbye." And then she like, she's like rising up in the ranks of the Bajoran resistance. Like, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. I could
0: even see a version that's sort of like a combination of what really happened in the show and what you're talking about where she goes after Dukat to kill him. And she literally has like the phaser and it's, you know, she's like, oh, I can't do it. Like, you're still my dad. And,
1: yeah. you know, he sort
0: of is shocked. And that's when Damar actually kills her. Mm-hmm. And cot, you know, is conflicted as well. Like
1: Yeah. If there was something more than just like, I love you, Daddy. You know, like <laughs> it just the <laughs> I was but, uh, I was it was disappointing. That was disappointing. I
0: think, think would have would have been really interesting. I'm just thinking about this. So maybe it's not as good as an idea as I'm thinking of now. But uh Waltz, that episode where the ship crashes when Dakots in the cell and Cisco mm-hmm. is injured on the planet and dakot is sending oh my a distress god. call but he's really not and dakot is uh hallucinating i Weyoun fucking forgot Damar.
1: about that episode oh my god it's
0: a it's a really good episode for dakot and cisco yeah and it's and it's big because it is that episode where dakot finally declares his hatred for the bajorans yeah and kind of realizes that this whole you know this whole image he has of like no i love the bajorans and i was just trying to help them man I feel like it would have been really interesting to have Ziel as one of those kind of Greek chorus characters where she's
1: speaking to him. Yeah, why wasn't she in I think that there? would have been,
0: that could have been really interesting. What would he have imagined Ziel saying to him during this sort right. of mental break? Um, right. I think there could have been some some interesting, yeah, use of that.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, un- again, I'm just going to say that like, Ziel was underutilized in, yeah, in yeah. so many ways. Um, and uh there there could have been so much more done with her character that was not explored, so that's that's a bummer, but she did she did like help with the the Kira ducat dynamic in a lot of ways and like mm-hmm. help develop that man, what a fucking creep He's such a fucking creep <laughs> uh i I just want so so like one of my favorite i know we're gonna talk about like some of our favorite ducat episodes later, but one of my favorite episodes is Covenant. And yeah, I just watched that. It's the episode where like Dukat has created the pa Wraith cult with all of these Bajoran followers, and they're living on Empoknor. And he kidnaps Kira, and he's like, "Look at all these Bajorans that love me. Do you want to? You want to join us?" And she's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "But look, they really do love me." And she's like. You brainwashed them. <laughs> and he's he's just like so desperate. He just like I know. He's just like please, 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 please. He tries to get them all to drink poison Kool-Aid and and then it all backfires on him. Like he tells he tells them that like he did one of the one of the women has a half Kardashian baby and he's like, Look, the the par wraiths are showing us unity. And it's like what That is the best
0: thing about that storyline that I love is that, yes, one of his followers has a baby. And it's very obvious that Dakot is the father, which
1: it just- He's literally the only Cardassian on the station. Like he is the father. And on a whim, on a
0: whim, he's just like, "Uh, hey, the Polaris have sent us a sign of the union of our covenant. And all the followers are kind of looking at each other and then like slowly clapping and going, oh, oh, yes, yes. But you can tell the husband is sort of, like wait 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 a wait, minute what, what? <laughs> and kira's like what guys yeah <laughs> oh, oh it God. is a good episode um it seems so appropriate for dakar like of course because yes. again like you said it's sort of his need for approval or love in this case from these bajoran paw wraith followers it ties into his need for kira so he's like Look like how many Instagram followers I have! Like, yes. hey, do you like me now? Am I worthy of you, huh? And yeah. then, and then the thing with the just the, the female, you know, the Bajoran woman, where it's like his lust and his need again for love or control or power over another, again gets the best of him and he ends up sleeping with one of his followers
1: and having a baby so it's just yeah. like all these or, or raping one of it let's i mean let's be real probably raping one of his followers yeah and then he tries to kill her in the airlock yeah yeah then he tries to fucking push her out of fucking airlock <laughs>
0: she's just collateral damage in the end um Ugh. should we talk about dacat in the paw race because? You know, we talked about kind of Dakot, and then he goes to ZL, and he goes a little bonkers, and then, and then that's when he gets involved with the Pa race And I'm I'm curious to know what you think of later Dakot, where he is the cult leader, he is with the Pa race and, and that whole storyline,
1: like, do you um, like do
0: you like where they went with Dakot in the end?
1: I mean, it makes sense to me that like basically he would become a grifter, <laughs> and <laughs> Um, because he's been cast out of his society, basically, he's been cast out of Cardassian society because of of what happened when the Cardassians had to leave the station and Zial was killed and all that stuff. Like he, he stayed behind and he, so he was like basically dishonored by his culture. So he needed something else because, he, like we've been saying. He has this, this need for control, this need for power, this need to be worshipped and loved. And this need for validation. I think yes. that's what it really is. Yes. So he's like always trying to find some way to get those things. That's, that's his main uh, motivation in the show. So it makes sense that something like this would would be appealing to him, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have problems with just the power wraiths in general. Um, oh, okay I mean I just like it's the whole space magic thing <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about space magic and in a lot of ways the prophets and the power race feel like a space magic uh, battle of good and evil thing it feels very Star Wars um, even though they're established as aliens yeah because I just I'm like well where would the where the fucking paw race come from like that was added later. Like the prophets were a thing. I, hmm. like the, I like the whole like we don't experience time in a linear way. But now there are other prophets that are evil. Like where did they come from and where do they live and why? Do, what is this? What is this? I remember being like, how
0: come? I'm guessing it was just the same alien creatures except. Except they're red. <laughs> and they were, <laughs> except, yes it's very important to remember um yeah and then that that you know there was a war between the two and then they they, they were able to them. with their technology or abilities like sort of yeah. encompass them somewhere else keep them in space jail yeah <laughs> in the fire cave it always um, just
1: read as space magic to me you know it just well, always I think it- And then and then then the whole problems with the the whole like Cisco being part profit emissary thing that was like fucking space magic. (laughs) I think
0: it was more of a a look, a Star Trek look about how uh, religion comes in the play uh, with the Bajorans, you know, the uh, that and, um, you know, it it led to some interesting episodes, especially like Kira, like how she balances her sort of modern view but with fate you, you know it's like yeah. i felt like they're oh, yeah. in a direction it's not it's not very rodden-esque i would say
1: yeah Roddenberry and I, would would uh would deal with that in a completely different way yeah 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 so i do understand all those things i do acknowledge that like the the exploration of of uh religion in in ds9 and how that relates to the prophets and the parates is very interesting to me and i do appreciate all of those things i just think like in general, this is like a taste thing for me. Like I sure. yeah. I am like like if it's sci fi, I want it to be sci fi and I don't want it to be like fantasy ish. Because there are parts of this that feel fantasy like things like things being meant to be and you destiny. know that kind of like destiny stuff like the the whole like cisco destiny thing yeah and i'm just like no uh. i kind of wanted to talk to you a
0: little bit about that because it does it does involve ducat's death, yeah.
1: so oh, to... death yeah we kind of have yeah
0: because i remember it's been a while since i've watched <laughs> that episode but i've watched it in the last six months mm-hmm. but i remember being like kind of disappointed watching it back yeah. like when, when you aren't swept up in like the final wrap up of the story yeah if you like, haven't
1: watched the whole last season and you just if you're like the, yeah. wait a
0: minute wait so so Cisco's destiny is he's just gonna push the cot
1: yeah so they're just gonna fall off a cliff yeah, into some Descartes. fire
0: and and it turns white and they're just like good job you done. did it that's your destiny and yeah. I again going back to Larissa and Lauren rewrite Star Trek um i kind of thought there was going you know you're saying how it's all like destiny and stuff like that and we find out that like cisco's you know spoiler but cisco's mom really was one of these uh uh wormhole, wormhole aliens,
1: aliens. i thought it was going to me? be something
0: where because he was technically kind of half alien even though he takes the spirit the uh, not spirit the alien just sort of like takes sarah right that's his yeah mom his mom sarah's yeah is kind of embodied by her like it's, she's really yeah. a human yeah but i i thought there was going to be something about because he was genetically part space alien there was going to be something that he could do that nobody else could do like when kai wins yeah. reading the the um basically the pa wraith you know book and it blinds dakot because she's like only i can look at it i thought there was gonna you know it would have been interesting if there was just a moment where they were like we can't read these three pages. Nobody our, our Bajoran scholars don't know what language this is or what these symbols mean. And then it turns out when they're in the the fire pits, you know, uh Cisco like Cisco because he is part wormhole alien just instinctively knows. Yeah, so or, so you
1: were hoping that there was going to be some science. Yeah, fi- like some but, scientific again, kind of yeah, that nice same. combination
0: of there is a scientific explanation even though you could have a more religious or magical interpretation that is exactly
1: my problem with this that is 100 percent my problem because there is zero science fiction part you wanted more of that this
0: is what's happening even though it could be seen as something else
1: yeah like what does it mean that he's half profit so does that mean that he is he could experience time in a non-linear way because that could be cool for him to be able to like
0: oh that would be amazing if he could like go back in time right
1: Like, what if he could experience his (laughs) own life in a nonlinear way like the prophets do? They just don't give him anything. They're like, you're just connected to us somehow. And now you're going to live in the wormhole forever. Like, you're going to push the cot. (laughs) You're going to push the cot into some fire. And then you're just going to live in the wormhole. Your corporeal body is going to burn up and you're going to. So I don't like I don't like what is. It's all just like, huh? I don't. (laughs) there's no there's no like this is what it's satisfying it's unsatisfying it's very unsatisfying we don't know anything about we don't really learn anything new about the prophets Mm. we never really learn what the fuck they are yeah and it it doesn't even mean we have to have all the answers right right Um,
0: but i think one of the problems is there's never like a crescendo yeah to some degree it kind of plateaus yeah and it's like it would have been nice just to get yeah, just to have a little bit more of a crescendo at the end, like what you said, when when the final ducat Cisco thing, which they've been like freaking building up for for seven right. years, so, Ducat just
1: gets pushed. He just and, gets and it's pushed, like, and he falls, and he uh, screams, and it's like what? <laughs> it's and the the fire does not look good. Like it's all just it's yeah. It's, we got to
0: give it a break, you know.
1: Yeah. Also, I mean, we'll talk about this in her episode, but like Wynne's death is also like really that's. Okay, doesn't Ducat kills her right? Yeah, she just burns. Doesn't up. he just like? Yeah, he just. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just he just like vaporizes her, and it's like, oh, okay. There she there she goes.
0: I think, um, even though in a way, like Cisco had to be the one to kill Ducat. Yeah, part of me thinks it would have been interesting. Like another way you could have gone is uh, remember The Lion King when it's the hyenas that technically like Simba defeats Scar. But yeah. it's really the hyenas who turn on him and do the, the dirty work. Yeah. It would have been interesting if Cisco had done something to defeat Dukat, but then the paw race kind of, you know, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Take him over like, ha ha. Um, it just seems yeah. like there'd be something so poetic because obviously if you align yourself with the paw race, it's, it's going to be dangerous. Um, yeah. You mentioned Kaiwen. I feel like if there's another relationship we need to talk about a little bit, it's Dukat and Kaiwen because that does become such yep. a thing towards the end of the show. And in a way, I feel like Kaiwen is a perfect match for Dukat because Kaiwen um, yeah. has this delusion that she is doing this for the, she's the, you know, she's basically like Bajoran Pope, right? Is that what we agreed?
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, and and has the hats to prove it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um and so she for her her sort of delusion is that she's doing all this because she has faith and um she wants to be the 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 leader the religious leader of, of Bajor and do good for all her fellow Bajorans but really when it comes down to it she's power hungry she wants approval she's bitter that she's never had like a experience with the aliens. she's never had a vision or an orb experience and she kind of, through Dakot sort of manipulation, she doesn't know he's Dakot. Dakot gets turned into a Bajoran with plastic surgery, of course, um, or does he? Because I think he quickly goes from Bajoran back to Cardassia Cardassian in a matter of. Yeah, like I two don't scenes. under.
1: Yeah, we don't really. That's not explained either. It's like, oh, oh, wait, you're in now the I think he sees a out. doctor, and then the power race probably turn him back to his
0: normal <sighs> form later, if I remember.
1: I think the power. Um, Yeah. The pirates turn him back. Cardassians somehow because they're magic because it's space magic again. Space space magic. Space magic.
0: So, but, but uh, yeah, like Dakot is able to get Kai win to the same point where she realizes that she's really doing all this for power and for her own sort of selfish needs. So in a way, they're a wonderful, a
1: wonderful pair (laughs) it's so funny at that point i I, re- I remember like in the in my last watch through when i got to that point i was like good good for you girl just realizing like what you're <laughs> actually about like be, you know being you're being honest with yourself right now live, i, live I your appreciate truth. Th- yeah you're speaking your truth i appreciate that you are still a heinous bitch but oh god yeah, yeah. but but congratulations for like coming to that place where you understand that your main focus is uh that you are power hungry and a horrible person. Uh good for you. Uh that whole relationship, I have to say, yes, I was I am totally on board with that whole thing. It was hilarious. It was just so fucking great to see Kai Wynn get fucked. Like Literally. Mean, I was gonna say fucked. well in
0: context of the show, that could mean different things. I
1: know. But like to to watch her like get have one pulled over on her. Yeah. And
0: yeah. to get her her muppins or Yes,
1: yes. And that that vindication was really uh satisfying. It was really satisfying. <laughs> yeah, Kai Wynn
0: wins the award for I think the villain that I most want to punch in the face.
1: Louise Fletcher, she is Nurse Ratchet. Amazing, Nurse Ratchet.
0: She's the original Nurse Ratchet yeah. from you know Cuckoo Nest, and and she's just so good too. Oh, mm. her delivery. Just want
1: to punch her in the face. She's so good. She's so fucking um. <laughs> good. She's so fucking good. And like seeing her and Mark to get like their yes yes their chemistry is also incredible. Yeah. Um, it is that isn't one of the reasons why it's so satisfying in the last season to see him grift her and then for her to find out that it's him because yes. we've seen them we've seen these two they they're both villains on the show but we've seen these two villains hate each other for six right. whole seasons like they fucking hate each other and then watching that happen is like oh my
0: god you uh, pretty much just see that image of Nelson from the Simpons, Simpsons just going ha
1: ha yeah. yes Yes, that's like literally like for fucking real. That's um, it's amazing. That's amazing. Um, it's also really fun to see Marco Lemo's face as a, I was gonna ask, what do you <laughs> think of him as a Bajoran? Uh, I mean, I think he he, he just looks like a Bajoran with a long neck.
0: <laughs> he must have been so relieved during those episodes. He's like, I don't have to show up at two in the morning for all this right. makeup.
1: I just get the get the little wrinkle nose and I'm set. Here's my you earring. Love- fucking imagine like how like what it would be like to be like not not only Marco Lemo having to glue, like get all that glued on your but like oh my fucking god. Armin Shimmerman all, like every yes. fucking day he's in almost every single episode getting that shit glued to your face my god that's oh god anyway okay well um, I
0: think uh the only thing that distracts me from those later episodes is that um my reaction was like oh he's a lot older looking yeah, than i than feel I like he's supposed to be <laughs> yeah oh that's so funny <laughs> which no which no offense to mark Lemo. he's a good looking guy but i yeah. just felt like from a, to- a story perspective um it, it was a little shocking where i was like he looks like he's definitely and by that the, time it's like yeah. what season seven
1: yeah he's in his
0: 50s Oh, He was, yeah, I mean, he was like, I think, late 50s by then, yeah, if yeah. I did the math correctly. And so it was just funny because in that way, and I don't think they ever obviously knew that's what they were, that's where they were going to be at season seven. They didn't know that. Yeah. But that's the only thing that seems like one of those just like behind the scene TV things that I found a little distracting.
1: Yeah. Was, like, was just like, like a, well, the jig is up. <laughs> I didn't know you were that old. Uh, yeah, That's so funny. That's so funny. I, I didn't think about that at all. I was just like, there's a space. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like his age and I think part of that too is just because his age comes
0: up so much because once again with the makeup it's really hard to tell and yeah. people have had the same complaints about Garrick yeah especially like when he started dating he... ZL of like well wait a minute if so how old is Dekat and but Garrick's dating his daughter so is Dekat older
1: than yeah, we thought how he was this work
0: what yeah and then he's also with Kira's
1: mom oh my god yeah there's that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Bleh. <laughs> Bleh. uh that's my that's how i feel about that but that's all we're gonna say about him getting of kira's mom this is blah. ugh. i mean it's it's part of the whole like he just he just really likes to fuck bajoran women <laughs> yeah i feel like power a move of- power move and maybe he really did care about her in in the way that he could while also condescending to her and asserting uh, power over her mm-hmm. um because that's not really love. <laughs> uh spoiler alert, that's not really love. Um but then but then wanting to continue, like then the, the, the idea of wanting to continue that that power and assertion through generations is like oh. uh, and it's again like, it kind so of disgusting. Like,
0: brought up brought up some questions about the timeline here yeah Um, like is he
1: 200 years old
0: (laughs) (laughs) ah well (laughs) yeah and for me i actually i like the idea of Descartes having whatever kind of as real of a relationship he can have i kind of like the idea of him having a bajoran woman that maybe he actually had for him as close as a relationship as he was capable of Mm -hmm. but when he has a because it seems like he's also legitimately fond of Kira's mom. Yeah. You know, and they were together for like seven years, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, she also had Stockholm tri- syndrome and yeah. Yeah. And then there's Yale's
0: mom who like when he, he finds her, when they explore the wreckage of the ship that she was on, she died. And Kira says, oh, I know a Bajoran um, pledge bracelet when I see it. Like, who was she? And. Um, you know, he's very honest about when he says, yeah, I'm had a, I had a daughter with her, but I feel like you can't have both. Like, I feel like pick one, either it was Kira's mom, which I would say drop that one and, and just, just have like ZL's mother be like, sure. He sleeps with a bunch of Bajorans, but if you're going to have one that he actually was emotionally connected with, just, just keep it one.
1: Uh, Because otherwise it
0: confuses the story. And it they does. take the
1: emotional impact out of yeah. Each relationship. It kind of it kind of does. I mean, I do. I think. I mean, it definitely like rings true in a lot of ways that like uh, you can be fond of someone and still not really think they're a person. <laughs> you know like it there's there's that sort of aspect that oh. that is very real you know like almost like a pet yeah yeah that's like that's some shit that's real yeah. um especially if if we're again thinking of ducat like a nazi so like he's he believes that he is superior so like there's no way there's no way that he actually like has a real loving relationship with these women um and in that in that sense I can see him having more than one of those because he doesn't ever he because in order to be in a loving relationship with someone, you have to be vulnerable with them. And he has not ever put himself in that True. place. He is not he's not I willing can never see him, yeah, truly yeah. letting his card down. He is not willing to be vulnerable with anybody. Um Ooh. so his 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 thing with these women is, a, is about control and power and it's about them worshiping him and doing whatever he wants. And it's not about anything else. I had two quotes that I grabbed that I felt like were really great
0: quotes that were said by other fictional characters, but I Ooh, feel like they feel like they Dukat. were great for Dukat. Yeah. I love it. Okay. And, and, and what you just said about his relationship with women reminded me of one, which is from the labyrinth. Uh, which is said by David Bowie's Jareth. And that one is, I ask for so little, just let me rule you and you can have everything that you want. Just fear me, love me. Do as I say and I will be your slave. Yeah. I felt like that is such a Dukat way yep. of putting it. Yeah. The other one.
1: The That's other some one is fucking gaslighting bullshit.
0: <laughs> the other one is Michael Scott from The Office who says, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> and that also felt like a very
1: Ducat thing. Oh my God, that is kind of incredibly perfect. That's amazing. I love that. Oh God. Yeah, dude, this character is is a very interesting character. And a very um and I think if you if you like really dive in like very um like topical for oh like God, yes. for today, you know, like it's like the the whole uh, the veiled racism, you know, like he never until that one moment in that one episode where he's having a psychotic break is the only moment that you hear him actually say that he hates Bajorans up until that moment. It's all condescension, right. And control. And it, it like, it reminds me of, um, of something that happened very recently, which is that uh, the day before he was out of office, Mike Pompeo uh, tweeted something about multiculturalism being un-American.
0: Oh, I read a headline about it, but I was like, i I don't think I want to touch that today.
1: <laughs> I don't want to know what he said. <laughs> and I was like, do you do you even know how racist that sounds? Like, like you don't do you even like know he, America's history right? Have you <laughs> like, been to America? <laughs> like, what? like you're Italian American. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Um, but it it really it felt it feels like a ducat thing, you know, Mm -hmm. to like to say something that is not saying the exact, not using the words, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Putting putting the
1: the emphasis there anyway. I
0: always I always felt like uh, because you know he's charming, but not in the same way Garrick is, and a lot of times I wonder, for me, I. I really like the the character, like the writing behind Ducat and Garrick. And I think they're played really well by their actors. And I was thinking, he's charming, but he's not charming like Garrick. Mm-hmm. He he just try. he has this presence and this charisma. But I always feel like you can see through Ducat. And that yeah. was the wonderful thing about Garrick, is that you can't, you can kind of read behind the lines, but Garrick, Garrick almost like sets back and thinks, unless you think you're in control. yes. And stuff and, and with Descartes, it's all about him being in the forefront. And like yes. you said, whether he's sort of posturing to Cisco or Yes. You know, he yes. just wants to be Cisco's best friend.
1: I know. I know. He just <laughs> he needs he needs to be the center of attention and Garrick does not.
0: He does. Yes. Garrick yeah. knows not to be the center of attention.
1: Yeah, because he's a fucking spy. Because he's a simple tailor. He's just a simple he's just a tailor. Well,
0: I've I have one more well, I guess two more. One more thought about Dakot mm-hmm. about just his importance in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, again, forget the movies, because the movies had to be their own thing with villains. But as far as the TV show goes, I feel like when you when you think of those reoccurring villains, the villains who came back, maybe our first one is Lore in TNG. Mm-hmm. But Lore is an android. And you could say that it's a fault of his programming. You know, he's never yeah. a human or a humanoid who truly has, like, a conscious or any of these, you know,
1: things. And yeah, Dakot, this is Nune and Soong's fault, not Laura's fault. R- right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And and when we get to Dakot, it's really interesting, because not only did D Space Nine start to explore a, a longer story arc throughout the whole seven seasons, but it meant that we had the ability to really develop villains like him, like Kaiwen, like, Kai like the... You know, female changeling and stuff like that. Yeah. So for me, Dakot is, I think, the the most beloved villain of Deep Space Nine, and and I think he's an important kind of milestone in Star Trek history for that yeah. reason. The fact that he was the first one who, who again, could have a conscious or or could, like we were saying, the 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 thing about him is that he can rationalize, yes, his inherent. Evil self and yes, yeah, he was just a delicious villain to watch.
1: Yeah, basically. yeah, and he's given because he's given so much screen time, and he's really integrated into these story arcs. And because there are story arcs, he has more depth than like the Duras sisters, right? Like he has. Yeah, yes, he's he's not he's not just like he has a very obvious motivation, but that motivation is nuanced, and it's not just like always trying to get the throne always trying to get the throne like that's like (laughs) all the time just like always trying to always trying to get the throne and Ducat is it's his his motivation takes him in a lot of different places and it's Mm -hmm. not just about it's not just about achieving one goal it's about a sustained need for uh for acceptance and uh and for people to love and worship him. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and not like whether I wanna a... <laughs> I w I want this one thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Whether it's uh being Cisco's best friend or uh whether it's it's being a cult leader or, you know, like it, we see different shades of yeah. Of manifestations of that goal. Yeah. And uh, it's it's quite a ride. Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite episodes or episodes that you just recommend? It's it's really hard to pick one. It's
1: really hard to pick because they're all so fucking good. I mentioned Covenant, which is season seven, episode nine. That is the one where he is the Paw Wraith cult leader. <laughs> um, there's also the episode Indiscretion, which is where they... Which Zial's first episode. of season four, episode five. And that's where... Um, finds y'all and also ha- there's an excellent scene where uh he sits on something sharp and it's stuck in his butt and kira like loses it and is just like cackling laughing because he has uh, some sharp spine stuck in his butt and that's that's hilarious to me i and i will recommend that episode really even just for that one scene um, really
0: see i thought that scene was too goofy and should have been taken out i fucking that's love another conversation. it conversation
1: I was that's like, what I love about our show <laughs> yeah I know that you hated it and I'm like yeah I love the Goofy scene um and then my other my other pick is the episode Civil Defense ah that was my pick yeah it was <laughs> oh god it's so fucking good I just I love seeing Ducat thwarted and embarrassed that is
0: <laughs> yes um yeah I'm also gonna throw in like Waltz is a great
1: one um mm-hmm. Like there's. Oh wait, do you want to do? You, did you want to say what civil defense is? Though, yeah, first? yeah.
0: I was just gonna honorable mention. Oh Waltz, yeah, okay. okay. Uh, which is kind of the one we're talking about, where um, Dakot and Cisco are on the planet, and and so those are kind of later. If yeah. you want just like a fun one where we get early Dakot and it's not as complicated with the storyline, I like civil defense because it has shades of disasters from from TNG, yeah. where it's just the station shit happens on the station and people are on lockdown and separated and basically it's like the station's old Cardassian security lockdown yeah. program is activated as if the station thinks that the bajoran workers are uprising and so <laughs> it, attention you know, bajoran I, workers yes yeah, so, <laughs> so they're all like uh in their own little vignettes of story uh and and so dakot Kind of realizes what's happening and beams down to sort of just make fun of the Deep Space Nine crew. And since he's a Cardassian, the ship doesn't recognize him as a threat. Yeah. But he doesn't realize <laughs> that his superior put in a security measure to make sure that Takot couldn't try to leave.
1: So um, So
0: he gets stuck with them. And it's basically this sort of kooky episode where he is having... To work with the Deep Space Nine crew and Garrick. Garrick is in there. And they're trying to just get everything back to being okay before, I think there's like gas going to be released or something.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. It's so fucking funny. It is. That episode is highly entertaining. There's a a lot of great Dukat episodes and moments. So it
0: really is hard to pick one. I just Mm -hmm. uh, was wrapping up the Maquis. It's a two-parter. Um. And so that one has a lot of DeKut and Cisco having to work together, um, for a mutual threat kind of yeah. Um, and so yeah, like
1: there's 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 just I, there's a lot of good moments with him. Yeah, there are. I've I've applaud, um Iris Steven Bear and the writers on DS Nine for wanting to take a character like this to this kind of level in Star Trek because, uh, like we always say, like the best of Star Trek holds a mirror up to ourselves. Mm. And I think that Ducat really does that. Um yeah. and that that is really what any good villain in any sort of fiction should be doing is holding a mirror up to the darkest parts of of humanity and saying, look at that. That's real and that's that's bad and that's something we should be fighting against. You know? Yeah and that that those things are complicated yeah nice job y'all because Ducats is fucking entertaining and also like makes you makes you think about some shit I'm <laughs> just gonna clap yay yay that's the only thing that seems appropriate yes, congratulations Ducat is a great character um, <laughs> congratulations on your neck Mark Alamo <laughs> sorry that we I've talked about in- your
0: neck so much <laughs> He has an insurance policy on the neck. Um, that's his nickname is the, the neck. neck. Cause yeah. it's
1: fucking long. You guys like it's so long. Find us in the collective at into show on Instagram at into the wormhole. podcast into the wormhole is brought to you by we own this town. I'm like he's no Demar. Like I'm a Demar girl. You guys. Oh, oh you like Casey Biggs. <laughs> I like a brooding alcoholic. <laughs>